Hello, everybody. I am Lindsay Zarniak. And I'm MJ Acosta Ruiz. And welcome to On Her Turf at the Olympics. We are so excited because this is going to be a show like you have never heard at the Olympics. We're turning the spotlight solely on the incredible women competing on the world's biggest stage. The ones who inspire us with their athleticism, their grit, their perseverance. There is so much to talk mm -hmm. about, MJ. This is where we get to do all of that. And trust us, we will. Every day of the Tokyo Olympics, we will be dedicating each minute of this show to bringing you those stories from incredible accomplishments on the field to the historic barriers that have prevented women's sports from receiving the investment and attention they deserve. We will be covering all of it. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. Don't you just love a little alum love? Because I, I do, do on Twitter. UMD yep. Science tweeting here. We are so proud of our Turb, Abby Gustaitis, co-captain of Olympic Team USA Rugby. She is with us actually right now. And of course, she yeah. went to the University of Maryland. She has a degree in physiology and neurobiology. Just a casual flex. <laughs> yes, on, representing uh, Maryland. The degrees there. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'm not even surprised. Not even a little bit. Welcome back to On Her Turf at the Olympics. We are hype because we have Abby with us right now. She and her teammates are currently in their final hours of preparation before the women's rugby tournament, which begins this week. Uh, Abby, as we hand you the mic here, what do you want the world to know about your team? Just get ready to watch some incredible, unapolog unapologetically themselves, intelligent, strong Yes. women take the field and show America and the rest of the world that we're not only athletes, but we're rugby players. And we're here to unify the country and make a statement. You first heard about, not heard about, but you first, I know, were exposed to rugby at Maryland when you were in college. Is that correct? Correct. Can yeah. you and actually heard about too? I didn't okay. even know. Okay. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Can tell us that story. I mean, how did you, how did you get hooked by it, and what were those first, you know, few outings like for you? A little bit of a trifecta. I there's the first look fair for freshmen when you first get there, and they every club and sport is out handing out flyers, and they're just like, "You look athletic. Why don't you come try rugby?" And I was like, "I don't even know what that is, but yeah, I'm like six feet tall, 170 pounds, like, and then." someone in my dorm was like, oh, just come to rugby practice. And I got another flyer. So I was like, okay, oh, that's funny. three times. Recruiting right? you like, hard. Let me just give it a go. <laughs> yeah. so it like, right. Like it must be in the universe for you to do it. I mean, do you remember your reaction when you were first playing on the field and what you thought about the sport, just physically playing it? So I walked, the first training I went to was a Tuesday. They practiced Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I went to those two trainings and then I played on Saturday. And they just kept being like, cheek to cheek. That's how you tackle people. Like your cheek, their oh cheek. Like, not their face cheek. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. God these guys are sitting here being crazy. like, is it your face? Yeah, the distinction is very important in this, Abby. Cheek to cheek. I will Very never important. forget yeah, that. No head to head. <laughs> and, no, and is that, that true? That was the whole thing I was thinking. I say it again. I said, is that true? So you were thinking cheek to cheek, face to face, and they obviously didn't. And that is not what they meant. 
Oh, no, no, no. I, I knew what they were talking about. <laughs> no, just but that's, how you ta- that's how they would teach new people how to tackle. And so th- because yeah. you obviously don't want to lead with your head. Right. And so if you put your head to the <laughs> right. side, so your cheek is matched up. So that was what I was thinking the entire first match <laughs> this I played. This is the best and explanation of a sport I've ever received in my entire life. <laughs> So that's that. what you're thinking. I, I mean, yeah. 10 years later. <laughs> 10 years later. Oh okay, so gosh, yeah. I want to dial that back. So you did two practices and then you played in your first match. Yes. Then Girl, apparently yeah, that's how? just how college rugby goes down. <laughs> so when you think then back to all that, I mean, that, when you say that out loud and then you're thinking, oh my gosh, 10 years later, you're in the Olympics playing this sport that you just tried because of these flyers that mm-hmm. you got. I mean, what goes through your mind? <laughs> it's unbelievable, honestly. I, first, besides the flyers, right? Like, I stuck with it because I was a freshman in college. I didn't know anyone. I went to a huge school. I just wanted to make friends and have a group of people to hang out with on Friday night. Turns out I ended up spending the next 10 years pursuing this sport with everything that I have. How has has rugby changed your life? In so many ways. I mean, it's it's brought me my fiance and my partner that I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful for and to have found someone in life to share everything with. But it's taught me discipline and respect in every facet of life, not just in sport, but things that I will carry over in whatever career I end up pursuing. And just how powerful a community can be always surrounding yourself with women especially who support you and women who lift other women up it's incredible to be part of that and I just want to share that with the next generation and with my nieces and my goddaughters and that's what's so important to just continue that positivity is that something that was even on your radar before you started in this sport or was it like just a huge shift change huge change I was just so tunnel vision of I'm going to college I'm going to get a degree I'll go on to school and rugby got thrown in there it threw my whole plan awry but I'm beyond grateful for it and I think that's what's so powerful about something is if you want it you can just go after it if it's something that you truly desire, because I thought I wanted to go to medical school and that was the path for me. And then I just swerved right off that path. (laughs) I moved to California to come and pursue this dream. And it might not have worked out. And I didn't make the 2016 team for Rio, but I came back and I fought my way back in it. And I'm here and I just think you might not always stick with the path that you thought you were, but as long as you're doing it with everything you have, then just back yourself. Uh, Abby, a decades-long journey to get you to the Olympics, yep. and here you are. So I'm excited kind of for you. You're sad. That story this is, is incredible. incredible. Uh, the 14 minutes, probably the longest 14 minutes of your life as you're out there, nonstop action. So ready to see you get out there and crush it. Thank you, Abby. We'll be back with more of the On Her Turf podcast after this.
Welcome back to On Her Turf at the Olympics. It's so great to have you here. We're joined now by U.S. gymnast Michaela Skinner, who officially accomplished a lifelong dream of becoming an Olympian here in Tokyo. Michaela, thank you so much Good morning. for being with us here. Um, I know that you haven't had a lot of pro- time to process. I believe you truly embodied the never give up mantra. So not qualifying for an event final. What did you learn, though, from the journey? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing for me was really just being able to go to the Olympics and just do the best that I can. And then if I got an event final here or there, that was, you know, the icing on the cake if I could do that. But if not, I have to look at what I've done and what I've accomplished. And hey, I'm an Olympian, so that's pretty cool to say. I loved your tweet, right, that you that you posted after the competition. <laughs> and so yeah. there, there it is, the hashtag never give up. <laughs> but you must have, what did you hear from friends and, and family after that? Yeah, um, everyone's just been so supportive. I mean, it was a crazy night, and it was sad to say that I had to end my Olympic journey with just one competition, but it was so great to have all that support from everybody, coaches, my husband, everyone at home had a um, party for me, and they were all pulling, so it was just so unreal, and I'm so grateful for all the love and support everyone has given me. You know, Michaela, as we're watching uh, the qualifiers yesterday, uh, something stood out that you said in retrospect of that, that it's okay to mess up. It's okay not Mm -hmm. to be perfect, right? I think everyone expects, especially USAM Gymnastics, to be perfect all the time when you're competing and when you're not. Um, So that, that humanizing part of it, right? How important is it for folks to realize that? It's so important. And I think that, you know, a lot of people just kind of see what social media is like. So I feel like, you know, it's okay to mess up. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I feel like now that they kind of got the wiggles out of the way, they're ready to come back strong for team finals. And, you know, like I said, nobody's perfect. So you just got to sometimes fail to get back up and succeed again. You know, Ali Raceman actually posted uh, a Bill Murray quote from the uh, from Rio Olympics saying that every Olympic competition should have an average person just for context. Right. So we understand just how hard it is. Uh, I'll gladly embarrass myself um, just to make sure that everybody understands what the playing field is like here. Um, But, Lindsay, the support that we've seen. Um, from the women with each other has been one of the most, I mean, we already know that to be true. That is very true. Michaela, mm-hmm. what do you think in terms of the narrative? Do you feel like, and as we're watching the Simone Biles tweet here supporting you, which is obviously so special, and I'd love to get your take on this, but I'm just curious if you think also that you have changed the narrative on how to become an Olympic gymnast. Oh, definitely. I mean, we're the OGs of gymnastics, and I feel like we've totally changed it for former gymnasts coming in, rather, you know, you're younger or older or whatever. I think anything is possible if you put your mind to and work really hard for it. So I think it's very awesome that Simone and I have come such a long way and have made it here together and can share this experience with so many others. And we are just, you know, we're Team USA, and it's so fun to represent and be the OGs of the team. Yeah, the fact that you guys call yourselves the grandmas, you and Simone, is not lost on us. It is hilarious. My lower back would like to have a word on that much. Uh, but, you know, we talk so much about inspiring younger girls, right? I'm curious if you're also hoping to inspire your peers, older gymnasts who are really in the thick of it. Yes, definitely. And even through social media and my YouTube channel, it's been really cool to see a lot of the comments of people reaching out saying, you've inspired me to come back to gymnastics and try. And so I think that is just so cool. And I just really love to see other people succeed and to be able to, you know, watch my success come true. And I really hope that for everybody else as well. Have you had a moment to process the future for yourself? I know that sounds like such a broad question, but following your story, I just, I think it's so amazing how you, you know, you did gymnastics collegiately and all of it. Mm -hmm. And now to know that 
it all lays in front of you. Have you thought about what you would like that to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I still have one more year, um, Mm -hmm. at, at Utah. So, um, I've decided not to go back and I think I'm going to end it here, but I don't know what the future is going to hold. I'd love to do so many different things and I still got to finish my last year of school and I'd love to do like sports broadcasting and have just a lot of opportunities. I know. So (laughs) I'm just really, really excited for what the future has in store for me and I'm going to miss gymnastics. I mean, you never know. You can never say never. I might be back. You never know. But as of right now, I'm ready to be done and just start living life. Listen, we're here. Live your life, best life, girl. An Olympian that will thank be with you. you forever. Michaela, thank you so Thanks. much for joining us. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, j- just you. keeping Appreciate it real it. as always. Plenty more to come from On Her Turf at the Olympics. When we come back, we'll be discussing one of the most important topics in women's sports, investment. Welcome back to On Her Turf. Before we go further, we want to introduce Miss Monica McNutt. It is so good to have you here. Monica, Georgetown basketball fame, but Mm. also you are an NBC analyst covering the international games with us. How's it been for you so far? Fantastic. The time is a little wonky, but it's great. It's been great. (laughs) As it is for all of us. All right. Well, we want to get right into this topic. It is no secret that women athletes, they are not paid as much as their male counterparts. It would take, and this is fascinating, a combined 350 WNBA players' salaries to match NBA star Steph Curry's annual salary. Can you believe that? By the way, there are only 144 players in the WNBA. I'll let y'all do the math on that at home, but historically, the women's game and the women themselves have been cited as the reasons for the pay gap or the comparatively small viewership numbers. We're going to get into that in a second. But first, uh, what about the structure itself? Well, along with Monica here, we also have Olympic hockey gold medalist and new co-owner of the Chicago Red Stars of the NWSL, Kendall Coyne, uh, Schofield in the house um, to talk about this. So let's jump right in because the structure, I think that's that's the point of all of this. The misconceptions about the structure and what it takes into going into the investment of women's sports. And um, Kendall, I'll actually start with you. Uh, what do you think is that biggest misconception when we speak about investing into women's sports? Well, first off, Lindsay, MJ, Monica, thank you so much for having me. This is an important topic, one that affects all of us. Um, When you talk about structure, I want to take it a step back and and refer to it as the infrastructure and the lack of infrastructure. And that doesn't just mean the the league itself. That means the the broadcast, the home, where, where people can go to see people who are buying tickets, people who are investing, people who are putting these players in a position to succeed night in and night out, night out. That means the resources, the type, the, the type of equipment, the, the uh, housing that they live in, the pay that they receive, mm-hmm. everything that it takes to be ultimately professional goes into a prop, proper infrastructure. And that ultimately allows the players to put the best product on the ice, field, court, whatever the sport may be. Monica, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you've also talked a lot about the marketing side that goes along with all of this. Well, the WNBA is one that's near and dear to me, and it is a perfect example of what Kendall's talking about in terms of the 
the legs that are put behind it. Yeah. And we've seen in particular the last two years in the WNBA, viewership is up significantly. I believe it's up 44% this season. But I think back to last season, prior to the year this year where we're celebrating the 25th anniversary, small things, marketing campaigns, yeah. the orange hoodie, guys, mm -hmm. that we saw Kobe in, that we saw Lil Wayne and a ton of NBA players in. That was a great marketing campaign and it was able to drive eyeballs. This year, now that the W's been put on a bigger platform and more uh, support has been given yes. to not just the league, but the individual athletes, we're seeing more people turning their head with genuine curiosity as sports fans. What is this sports league about? I love that uh, Kendall said that too, and Monica, to your point, not so much the structure, but the lack thereof, right? The access is really what I'm looking for, to put people in the position to be able to enjoy these sports, to get to know the athletes, to get to know what's happening around the sports and the event, I think is as much part of it uh, as anything else. Um, but, you know, Kendall, you just became the investor in the Chicago Red Stars. I think that part in and of itself and that investment group has been um, so, so exciting to see, right? Because it's people from coming from all over place and actually other women from other sports investing as well. Uh, so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's cliche, but in order to make money, you have to spend money. Mm -hmm. And we need to invest in women's sports if we want them to be as successful as, as our male counterparts. As we know, as successful as all four of us know they can be, we need to invest, we need to spend. And I think when it came to the Chicago Red Stars being in my backyard, it was a no-brainer. But for my, my role, there's a lot going on, but I think I'm learning a ton. I'm learning from all of the different owners and, and what really goes into owning a team and what goes into running a team. And there's different there's different paths from each owner, which I, which I love. And where I come from it is I know what the players need. I know what the coaches need. I know what we need to be successful on the field because I'm a player myself. I'm a coach myself. I wear many different hats. And I think the other role that, that I'm so passionate about is letting our fans in Chicago, all across Illinois, know that the Red Stars are our women's professional soccer team and we need butts in the stands and they need to know about our team. And we're, we're getting great coverage on TV. We're getting you know more and more fans now that obviously um, they're able to come in without, you know, with the uh, loosening of, of the COVID-19 restrictions, but it's making sure that that every sports fan in, in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area knows about our Chicago Red Stars. You know, you mentioned that. And I, so this is certainly a trend. It's an extremely positive trend we're seeing with that also in L.A. with Angel FC. And you've got people like Natalie Portman, Abby Wambach, similar to your scenario, right, who are investing. So you hope that that really yeah. does move the needle. When you talk about equal pay, the biggest argument is women's sports just don't draw the same viewership, right, as their male counterparts. What is your all's response to that? How do we answer that reasoning? Well, I, I want to jump in because we used the stat to open up this segment about the 144 players in the WNBA, and you would need 350 mm -hmm. of them to account yeah. for Steph Curry's salary. They are not asking to be paid like the men. The WNBA season is four months if you are a team that makes it to the playoffs and into the final rounds. They're asking for an equal slice of the pie. Right. And that's why this last uh, CBA negotiation was so powerful because it put things in place that allow players to be better paid, to travel under better circumstances, to be supported as moms because we know how multifaceted these women are as athletes. And so the idea that women are whining about money compared to the men is a little bit off target. That's not A it. little. Uh, just a <laughs> More than a little. That's a lazy argument. Yeah. So it's just about equality and what the league does generate. What about you, Kendall? Yeah. 
Monica, going off that too, when, when we had our battle with USA Hockey in 2017, it wasn't an equal pay case like many thought it was because our our counterparts are those in the National Hockey League. We are not asking for what the, the players in the National Hockey League receive. We're, we're, we're fighting for equity. We're fighting for equitable support. We're, we deserve the same resources, the same amount of coaches, the same type of travel, the same type of accommodations, all of those things, the same number of same dollar amount when it comes to per diem, the same number of meals, all these things that seem second nature, but they're not when it comes to women and women in sports. And then people are like, well, why aren't you as successful? Why don't, why don't as many people watch you? Well, put us on TV and I guarantee you they'll watch that they knew where to find us, when to find us. If we were marketed, we go, sometimes we'd go to places and people like, oh, why are you in town? When we get to the airport and they'd see red, white, and blue and a bunch of 23 USA hockey bags. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, we're just, you know, competing in the world championships on our home soil. We'll market ourselves and that's that's what we got to do. But then don't tell us, you know, well, the building's not full. Well, Mm -hmm. we can only wear so many hats when it comes to our performance. And I think women in sports have done an incredible job wearing those different hats and being as successful as we are. But that time has to end. That time has come to an end. It's, It's over. We, we need to market, we need to invest, and we need to let the players, the coaches, and everyone do that, whatever their job is. Absolutely. Great Kendall, well thank you so much. Monica, thank both of you ladies for joining us today. This is a conversation that we could certainly have for much longer. We, we, we really appreciate you guys both being here for this. That's going to do it for us today. And as a reminder, On Her Turf at the Olympics, we'll be streaming every single day, Monday through Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Sunday. Don't forget, it's at 6 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow on her turf on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.